Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Christina Simpkins. Christina is the vice president of product at Lessonly by Seismic. In this episode, we talk about communicating product roadmaps, building alignment across disciplines, and why you should consider putting the face of your team on your side decks. In just a few moments, you'll hear Christina talk about the importance of finding public ways to recognize people across teams. Not every team member builds an elegant feature. Not every team member closes the big logo. But if everyone plays an integral part of the success, isn't it important to find ways to celebrate everyone? There are a bunch of ways of doing this, but internal company podcasts where people from across the organization are interviewed has proven to be an incredibly effective way to elevate these voices. Podcasts are authentic, scalable, and because they don't have a visual bias, they invite more people into the creation process. Someone that isn't comfortable getting up in front of the whole company or recording a video is far more likely to participate in a podcast. I think one place where companies get stalled out is that they think their workforce isn't big enough to quote, justify using internal podcasts. The idea is that we're only 250 people and that's a format that makes sense when you're 25,000 employees. Respectfully, I couldn't disagree more with this line of thinking. Use content formats that people enjoy and that connects people with people. A 10 minute interview that illuminates the work, values and personality of your colleagues helps make that colleague feel valued. It's a deep form of recognition. And because it's a podcast, their colleagues can consume that content asynchronously and passively. Listen while on a walk. Listen while you're driving your car to the store. Listen while you're in the playground with your kids. Venly is an audio platform for business, and we believe that your audio content should live where you do business. Whether you're using Slack, SharePoint, Notion, or a tool like Lessonly by Seismic, Venly enables you to seamlessly, securely, and privately share your company audio content to your preferred channels of communication, all with enterprise-grade analytics and custom-branded players that are mobile responsive. Are you interested in how audio can help drive employee recognition? Venly has created a series of content templates to help you get started on show structure and best practices. Email me directly at brian at venly.co and I'll send it over. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the fascinating Christina Simpkins. Hi, Christina. Hi, Brian. How are you? Christina Simpkins is the Vice President of Product at Lessonly by Seismic, supporting product management, design, research, and data efforts and guiding product strategy. For more than 10 years, Christina has focused on building and coaching successful product teams to solve complex user needs and to deliver powerful solutions. Christina, thanks so much for being with me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So for those that aren't familiar, what is Lessonly? Yeah, so Lessonly is a training, coaching, and enablement solution. So we build software that really allows our customers to make continuous training and coaching possible for customer-facing teams. Uh, Lessonly was recently acquired by Seismic, so we are now Lessonly by Seismic. And Seismic is really an industry leader in sales enablement. So now that we're combined with Seismic, we're able to really provide seamless, holistic experience for reps as they look towards really driving sales readiness and ongoing effectiveness as they do their jobs. I want to focus the conversation on building alignment, setting expectations, but also generating excitement across teams. So we just read your remit just before, but one more time, product management, product design, research, and the business intelligence teams. Engineering and sales enablement are separate teams. So what is a healthy tension between product and engineering and sales, and how do those communications flows work most successfully? 
Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of healthy tension, really within product and engineering, that's where those conversations start. I am extremely fortunate to have a fantastic partner and our leader of our engineering team. And it's something that he and I talk a lot about and we really have been coaching our teams towards as we've grown. Uh, we've done a lot of growth in the last year and a half as we have been in kind of this rapid growth moment, moving towards acquisition. And as we do that, we're bringing in experts within the team, right? So we're bringing in our product managers who really understand the market, understand the users. We're bringing in engineers who really understand the technical backbones of the application and what's feasible. We want to make sure that we're respecting the expertise that each discipline brings to the table, but encouraging them to have difficult conversations. Having difficult conversations is actually one of our lessonly values, and it's something I think we live and breathe really well. And I think that's at the heart of having healthy tension within our teams. We think it's absolutely okay for an engineer. And in fact, it's encouraged for an engineer to say, I understand the problem. I think there's actually something we might want to look at a little bit different in the solution and really push the team in the right direction. And we've built a lot of processes and frameworks and really been focusing our managers on coaching with their teams around what that healthy tension looks like and how we can support that and make space for it to have disagreements, but do them in a respectful way to ultimately say, are we working together to make the product better? When we think about that outside of product and engineering, having those same kinds of difficult conversations, having that same healthy tension really extends to our go-to-market teams, to our sellers. The thing I think is so critical there is making sure that we're focused on a deep level of openness and transparency. We need to make sure that teams on both sides really understand each other to know how to work together and how to push each other in the right directions. We spent a lot of time in the last year and a half educating our sellers, educating our account management teams, our enablement teams on how we work, what healthy product design and healthy product development looks like, what iterative and experimental looks like so that we can understand where they're feeling like they need a little bit more clarity, where they're feeling like they need a uh, little bit more information to share with a customer or with a prospect, and how can we work together to do that? We also have set up just some regular meetings to be standing forums to say, how are we working together? So we meet with leaders across our go-to-market teams, our enablement teams and product to say, how are we working together? Are there opportunities for us to tweak some of these processes? What's working really well as we've introduced some new processes and moving forward together? So always welcoming that back and forth, but it really starts with the foundation of communication, openness, and transparency. So it's been a pretty hectic period for you since you've joined Lessonly. You've acquired a business. You've also been acquired how has internal messaging evolved through these transitions? Is there a messaging cadence or style that has proven most successful in fostering the relationship with your new colleagues? Yeah, it's been it's been a wild year, really, really exciting year. As you mentioned, we were recently acquired. Just before that, we acquired a company ourselves. And just before that, we launched our first major product launch in about two, two and a half years. As we've gone through those motions, one of the things I'm really appreciative of and really value having been a part of is that we've built out the team and built out disciplines. So we scaled up our product management team, we scaled up our product marketing function, and we spent a lot of time focused on healthy feedback loops and how we put processes in place that we can make sure we, through all of that change, are educating our customers and our external stakeholders, but also really enabling our internal teams. I think we're cheating a little bit here because we drink our own champagne within Lessonly by Seismic and we're an enablement company. So we kind of live and breathe, making sure that our teams 
have the right information so that they're empowered to be able to do their jobs. We're having a tight partnership between product management, product marketing, enablement, and our go-to-market teams has been really critical in the success there. So we put together some updated processes around our launch cadences, our launch communications. We launch monthly today, and we put some processes in place to make sure leading up to our monthly launches, how are we educating our internal teams on what's coming, what's changing? They have the information they need to go out and talk to a customer. Uh, we started putting in place some consistent processes. Our fantastic director of product management introduced a new process a few months ago, doing a monthly, what we call a, a product roadshow, where product managers get in front of the entire company for one hour every month, demo new functionality, open up the floor to questions, and talk about why we're building, what we're building, how we're leaning into our strategy and our vision. So a lot of that, again, goes back to some of that education we're constantly posting in you know, shared Slack channels across the company. We've made sure that product and engineering have a space in our weekly all company meetings where we're talking about metrics. We talk about product metrics and adoption and engagement. So really building out as much visibility into the strategy, the deliverables and where we're going to make sure that information is in the hands of our internal stakeholders so they can then take that and go to market and drive that excitement and visibility there as well. Right. You just mentioned your first big product push in, in a little bit. What's your philosophy on product roadmaps? And how does that dovetail into selling a broader strategic vision with the team? Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of product professionals I talk to think they have some wildly controversial view on product roadmaps when I think at the heart, we all feel somewhat similar. Listen, I think product roadmaps are extremely valuable tools. They're needed to drive clarity within your organization. You need to be able to empower your sellers, especially in an enterprise business, your customers and your prospects are saying, what's your product roadmap? Where are you going? You need to give your sellers the information to be able to speak to the future of the product. So roadmaps are critically important for that. That being said, I think there's a little bit of nuance in the product roadmap. And I think it's important to really make sure that you're clear about the difference between feature discovery and feature delivery and what that strategic execution and vision looks like. So for example, I think if you're telling the company what you're delivering on a roadmap for the next three to six months, that's great. And I think that's that's necessary and that's helpful. If you're trying to slot features and functionality 12 to 18 months out on a product roadmap, it's very likely to change. And I think you're going to run the risk of your company not trusting that vision and that roadmap as you have those longer term items that might start to feel a little bit make-believe because how do you really know what features you're delivering 12 to 18 months from now? So I think about it in terms of more of a now, next, later approach. So I can articulate to the company what we're building now, what we're delivering. Those are those items that are in active delivery. We've got them in front of our customers, maybe in an early beta. That's what's coming here in the next three to six months. High level of clarity, and we can provide a lot of visibility into those items. When we think about what's up next, what are those kind of longer term problems or opportunities that we think we're gonna tackle? Uh, We're probably already doing some discovery there. One of the things we've started doing that has been really, really helpful in thinking about our roadmap is those items that are up next, give our sellers and our internal teams enough information about how we currently understand those problems and opportunities to let them help us do a little bit of discovery. If you're on a prospect call and the prospect starts talking about something that you know is potentially coming up on our future state roadmap, what are those key questions that you can ask to funnel that feedback back to the product team so that we can make sure we're continuing to gather an understanding? And beyond that, when we think about things that are in that later term roadmap, this starts to get into the year, two years, five years. 
that's more about your vision and that's more about your strategy. What are the problems that you're trying to solve, the opportunities that you think you can really own and be a strategic differentiator? And how do you articulate that vision in a way that drives the passion and the excitement from your internal teams? If they can get excited and they can be bought into the clarity in the vision that you're providing of where you're taking the product and where you're taking the business, that overflows into every conversation they have with the customer and every conversation they have with the prospect. So when I think about roadmaps, this is a long-winded answer for you, but to bring it back a little bit, short-term roadmaps, really tactical. Here's what we're delivering. As you get further out, I would rather us swing our focus more to enabling and empowering our teams to really understand and identify with the overall strategic vision and the focus that we're taking the product holistically versus specific features and functionality at 12 to 18 to 24 months out. I'm going to, I think, frustrate you with this next question, given what you just said, but sales is often the front line of product feedback and product innovation. And I think every PM has heard from a salesperson that they need a special feature built to close the deal. How do you sell off-schedule feature requests to your team? Beyond saying they'll pay us a lot of money, are there best practices that you've developed in building alignment across your teams in a scenario like that? Yeah. Um, not frustrating, actually. So I appreciate the question. I think it's inevitable and it's an important part of, of product management and product development because the reality is in a SaaS business, the people that you're selling to, they're buying the future of the software. They're buying the software that can solve the problems that they have. So if you have a prospect or a customer that comes to you and has a need and there is revenue tied to that, there is opportunity tied to that, it's important that you take a look at it. Now, it's also important that you build in a culture where it's okay to say no to those things, but you have to help people understand what that looks like. And why would I say yes? And why would I say no? And how do I educate the business? But then how do I make sure that the product team doesn't grow to resent those fly-in customer requests? And I think that as complicated as that is, it really boils down to a couple of things. One of them is just, does it make the product better? If someone is asking for something that I cannot identify how it makes the product better, how it benefits our users, our customers, it's really hard to entertain those things just to check the box on a feature or functionality if it's not going to serve the overall product and the overall strategy. And then I also want to think about, is it a problem worth solving? And I think that's where it's really helpful to remind our sellers. There's a habit, especially in SaaS, where our sellers are so deeply knowledgeable of the product where they might come in and say, this is the feature that the customer needs. And I do the annoying thing that a product person does and says, that's great. I love that feature idea. What's the problem you're trying to solve? Let's take it back a step. And we practice that repeatedly with our teams and saying, tell me about that problem. Because if the customer is articulating a problem that I then hear multiple other customers articulating in maybe the same, maybe a slightly different way, that's an indicator that it's a problem worth solving. And it might be something that we hadn't thought of before that helps us to drive differentiation. If we ultimately decide, yes, it's gonna make the product better. Yes, it's a problem worth solving. Then we can take all of that information back and provide all of those details to the team. Get buy-in from the team on why it makes sense for the business, why it makes sense for the product. But then also allows us to say to the seller, we understand the problem the customer is articulating. The feature they asked for, I don't think that's actually the feature they want, but we can solve their problem in a slightly different way that makes the product better and is a problem worth solving. So it just comes back to building a culture of having those conversations and making sure that you're not 
only looking at the bottom line, the ARR, the potential logo, and making sure you're always thinking about making the product better as a part of those conversations. I'll get you out on this question. A balance that many product teams face is the need to ship new features while also reducing technical debt. During presentations to the team, you've developed the practice of putting the faces and names of engineers and designers that worked on that given story on the slide that is being presented. Can you talk a little bit about this practice and are there some tangible benefits that you've seen as a result of adopting this type of presentation? Yeah, I I love this this practice that we have and it's something that um, I just as a leader have really enjoyed observing and watching the teams as we go through this. Watching a group of sellers and account managers get pumped and cheer about load times and the performance of the application is absolutely amazing. And I think it's something that should be a regular occurrence within an organization. So we will actually put a graph or a chart up on the screen from our monitoring tools that show system performance and talk about the engineers that help to drive that performance and the crowd goes wild. We'll have literal cheers of excitement when we do that. And I think it's really valuable for a couple of reasons. It helps us to make sure that everyone understands that we don't, and nor should we, spend 100% of our time cranking out the shiny new stuff. I think that's something that's really easy. And we were talking about roadmaps before. You always wanna look at what's that next big feature? What's the next big enhancement? And those things are great and they're gonna move your strategy forward, but you need to make sure you're addressing your tech debt. You're building a reliable and resilient system and really prioritizing and making those things visible helps people to understand that balance and helps people to understand the importance. It also humanizes the team. This is something that for me as a leader is really important in SaaS. It's, it's really easy to celebrate when we close a deal or when we hit our ARR numbers, which don't get me wrong, those are really fantastic things, but it's also easy to allow our product managers to be the face of product and demos and company all hands meetings. And at the end of the day, there are so many amazingly talented people behind the scenes who are building out the software, maintaining the software, and we want to make sure that they're celebrated in the same way as we celebrate closing a new account or driving additional ARR towards the bottom line. So when we can put faces and names with some of those enhancements, whether it's a feature enhancement, a performance enhancement, addressing tech debt, it humanizes that and it elevates the importance of those things to the level that I think they should be at. And then the other thing that I think is just really important is it allows the members of the team who are doing that work to be celebrated. They see their peers celebrated They may not ask for that same kind of recognition and celebration, but deep down, I think some people do need that. And when we can shout them out and celebrate the work they're doing and make them a visible part of the process, just like everyone else, I think the benefit is extraordinary for them and and their motivation to continue contributing and the respect they have within the organization. So I love that we've started doing it. I think our teams appreciate that as well. And it's also really been able to highlight how great and resilient the performance of our system is, which is another additional benefit there. I'm joined today by Christina Simpkins. Christina, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great to chat with you, Brian. Thank you.